Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. Today is January 22nd, 2019. The day was January 22nd, 1925. It was frigid in Nome, a tiny town of about 1,400 people on the west coast of Alaska, right up against the Bering Sea. Long winters, blizzards, and below freezing temperatures were the norm in Nome, so the icy town was often hard to get to. That was to be expected. But on this day, when the town was in desperate need of a serum to stop a diphtheria epidemic, that inaccessibility posed a huge problem. An epidemic of diphtheria is almost inevitable here. Stop. I am in urgent need of one million units of diphtheria antitoxin. Stop. That's how Dr. Curtis Welsh, Nome's only doctor, started his telegram to towns all over Alaska and the U.S. Public Health Service. People were dying, and it was clear that the outbreak was a crisis that needed immediate attention. See, diphtheria is a potentially deadly bacterial infection, especially in children. It spreads easily, causing fever, chills, and a thick coating on the throat and tonsils that makes it really hard to breathe. And in the 1920s, there was a vaccine for diphtheria, but it wasn't widely used yet. And when the first person with symptoms of diphtheria went to Dr. Welsh for help in December 1924, Welsh misdiagnosed the condition as tonsillitis because no one else was showing signs of the illness. That Inuit boy died the next day. And until January, Welsh would misdiagnose more people, and more people would die. Emily Morgan, one of four nurses at Maynard Columbus Hospital in Nome, once had diphtheria and soon recognized the symptoms. It wasn't until January 20th, 1925, when Dr. Welsh would correctly diagnose diphtheria in three-year-old Billy Barnett. Diphtheria is definitely not the diagnosis you want to hear. But now that he knew the real issue, he could move on to treating it properly. And there was an antitoxin available that could cure diphtheria, but there were a few problems. Maynard Columbus Hospital had 8,000 units of the diphtheria antitoxin on hand, but they were expired, and the doctor didn't want to risk making little Billy even sicker. And per Murphy's Law, Dr. Welsh had ordered a supply of the antitoxin in the summer of 1924 to be sent in from Juneau, Alaska. But the shipment didn't make it to Nome before the ports froze. So when another child was diagnosed with the illness on January 21st, he gave her 6,000 units of the antitoxin. It didn't work. She died that day. With the number of diphtheria cases and deaths quickly growing, Dr. Welsh reached out to the mayor to call an emergency town council meeting. And on the evening before he sent his urgent telegram, Dr. Welsh declared to the council that he would need at least one million units to curb the epidemic. The council called for a quarantine and put Emily Morgan in charge of it. But they still needed the antitoxin. So the next day, Dr. Welsh sent the telegram to let all major towns in Alaska know about the epidemic and to Washington, D.C. to ask for assistance. Over a million units of the antitoxin were available at hospitals across the west coast of the U.S., but it would take them a while to get to Seattle, Washington, where they would then have to be sent to Alaska. Fortunately, a hospital in Anchorage had 300,000 units of the antitoxin, but it was still over 1,000 miles away. 
daylight hours were short, waterways were frozen, planes, which had open cockpits and water-cooled engines, were just unreliable. And the closest train station was in Nenana, Alaska, about 700 miles or over 1,000 kilometers away. So how would the cure get from Nenana to Nome? Dog sled, of course. At a January 24th Board of Health meeting, Superintendent Mark Summers proposed a dog sled relay. One team would leave from Nenana with the antitoxin and the other team would leave from Nome. The two teams would meet in Nulado and the Nome team would head back with the antitoxin. So on January 27th, as Dr. Welsh and the nurses back at the hospital cared for an increasing number of sick people and waited on the larger shipment from Seattle, the dog sled journey began. Driver William Shannon picked up the 20-pound package of antitoxin at the train station and took off with his team of nine Malamutes. The next several days would be a saga made for Hollywood, a story complete with high-stakes drama, a ticking clock, and adorable heroic dogs. There were many cases of hypothermia and frostbite, a pesky reindeer, a flip sled and lost package, dogs that died of exposure, and wind chills down to minus 85 degrees Fahrenheit. In one of the tale's most dramatic moments, famed musher Leonard Steppola drops his dogs, led by the Siberian husky Togo, on a dangerous shortcut across the Norton Sound. And of course, U.S. news outlets were soaking it all up every step of the way. On February 1st, Gunnar Kossin began what would turn out to be the last leg of the relay. He headed out in near-blizzard conditions with now-legendary Siberian husky Balto as the lead dog. And on the morning of February 2nd, Five and a half days after the relay started, Kassin arrived at Front Street in Nome with the life-saving serum. Nurses went around the town in outlying villages, giving people the antitoxin and comforting affected families. Nurse Emily Morgan even helped a father build a coffin for his son. Thanks to the assistance of hundreds of dogs and dozens of people, the quarantine was lifted three weeks later. The legacy of the relay lives on in the Iditarod Trail sled dog race and um, all the shining tributes to Balto. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Chandler Mays, our producer. We'll see you here in the same place tomorrow.